I was like, yes, I'm almost there. I've spent two hours in this dungeon. The save point is right there. But you get into a battle right before you go through that door. And it's a really powerful battle. Kicked my ass. And I lost that like two hours of progress. And I was so mad that I never looked at the game again. (laughs) So pissed. And see, that's why games do auto saves now. Yeah. Save early, save often. I do still manual save. Like Resident Evil 4 has the auto save. And I still am like, did I save? I better save. Wait, did I save? I better save again just to make sure. (laughs) I am that person that has anxiety over (laughs) not saving enough. It's nice that you can do that now, but in Resident Evil specifically, it was not always mm-hmm. yeah. the case. Those typewriters. You better find them oh, ribbons. God. You have enough? No. Good luck. <laughs> you gotta leave your PS1 on and hope that no one turns it off. <laughs> Just a reminder, this is a spoiler-heavy podcast. Different series that require a spoiler warning will be in the description. Hi everybody, and welcome to another episode of Gaming Theater Podcast. Today's episode is going to be something a little special, and it's going to be all about storyline save points and storyline respawn places. Now, in order to help go through some of these episodes, quickly get through some of the guests that are going to talk about this. Once again, my name is Leo. I'm the Geek Scorpio. Hi, I'm Rob. I am a student of game design. My name is Dane. I go by D and Dane on the internet. I'm a TTRPG enthusiast and a streamer. I am Liz, also known as Zombie Hand. Uh, I do art and play video games, and I'm here on GTP a lot. Does art and knows things. We all know that. I I do video game things. I paint my nails a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Are those video game things? Uh, yes. Let's say yes. It's a mini game. <laughs> press X to paint the nail. You have to press X. Oh, I'm, I'm terrible. Press at that X mini-game. and then slowly move the joystick forward. And if you do it too fast or too slow, it's yeah. streaky or it puddles or. Yeah, I don't have the patience for it. I always <laughs> get bubbles in mine. I had to do. Th- I did the egg mini game in Kingdom Hearts three. Okay, it sucked, but I did it. <laughs> <laughs> where it's like slowly if you go too fast it's like oh i broke the egg <laughs> sorry freaking freaking three, I three. Oh. all that being said take a quick trip over to the magical merch booth yay <laughs> Hi everyone, this is Leo the Geek Scorpio wanting to let you know that the Magical Merch Booth is going to be closed down for a bit as we are getting ready for a special panel at the Gem State Gaming Convention in Boise, Idaho from July 7th through the 9th. Gem State Gaming Convention is Idaho's premier board game, tabletop, role-playing game, and trading card game convention. Three days packed full of tabletop gaming of all kinds, with fun, interactive experiences featuring local and regional artists and exhibitors from all over the country. A board game library with hundreds of options to check out all weekend long, including dozens of titles you can potentially win and take home with you in their Play to Win library. Also featuring some guest speakers including Gaming Theater Presents and some creative workshops. This convention will be held at 850 West Front Street, Boise, Idaho, 83702. A link to the site will be available in the description. This convention will be going from July 7th through the 9th. 
You can follow Gem State Gaming Convention on Facebook and Twitter for a full schedule of events as they are posted. If you're in the area, stop by for our panel on Saturday the 8th. Thank you for listening, and now, back to the show. So here we are talking about storyline save points and storyline respawns places. So let's sort of explore what this is. What happens is sort of a, a concept in a story, or it, let's backtrack a little different. If you're playing a video game and your character dies or, or doesn't make it or uh, has to restart an area, they go back to the last place that they save typically, or the spot that lets them come back after not making it. Now, that being said though, this is a game mechanic. This is not something that just happens to people. It's just there so that way you can restart the level as a game notion. However, some games have this as an integral part of their storyline. You saving your game isn't just you saving your game. Your save point is a thing that everyone recognizes is a thing in this world. You coming back and respawning is a thing that just comes back to this world. It's just something that everyone accepts as a notion. And the key to that is, Everyone has to accept it as a notion for that. I'm trying to remember the name. There was a Tom Cruise movie. It goes by Live, Die, Repeat, but that's not the name. I, uh, no, Live, Die, Repeat is the name, but it goes uh, Edge of Tomorrow is what it's Edge most of commonly tomorrow. known as. But dying is the respawn point. There's mm-hmm. no, it's, it's like a Groundhog's Day sort of thing. Yeah, but it's not just a Groundhog's Day because he meets somebody else in the movie that does the exact same thing. So it just does. Yeah, the, the I think he's the the person who the trains girl? Her, the girl with that trains. No, that trains he t- he tells her over and over again every single day. He has to tell her what who he is, what's going on. Right, but she under because she used to have that ability in the story. I don't think I don't think she did. Yeah, that's how she knows how to. to that's why she teach, teaches him to don't worry about trying to get better. Just worry about knowing where everything is going to happen. I don't feel like I remembered that. <laughs> I think that he had to repeatedly tell her every single day. No, no. He has to repeatedly tell her. So that's the thing. In that movie, because his start point is when he wakes up in the middle of, of an army base after getting thrown in, uh, mm-hmm. into this base. Then he has to, the first time this power ha- happens because, oh, what is her nickname? The Full Metal Bitch. That's it. That's her nickname. The Full Metal Bitch. The thing is that she wins a major battle earlier. Um, she explains it in the movie. She had that ability, which is what got her to win that fight because she repeated over and over and over again. And the key thing is to never ever is to die completely. So you never go to the hospital. The reason why is the worst case scenario, you can have your blood transfused. Once that stuff is out of your system, that power has gone. Once she realizes that this is what's happening to Tom Cruise's character, she first trains him, and he she knows that it's just better to just kill him off and let him restart the whole day again. But yeah, this is not just it's a respawn point for the purpose of the intent. This is this is a thing that can happen in this world and has happened twice at least. Hmm. Okay, so we just know that death, and she knows that death is the respawn point. Yeah. She doesn't know where he's going to show up again. She just knows that that trigger happens and then you keep going forward. That's such a good movie. So this is where it becomes kind of interesting because if you want to get a very, very meta version of this, it comes up in um, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Because 
it was a real problem because he keeps seeing save points, but he keeps forgetting to save their game. And anybody who's played video games have forgotten to save their game. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a fear. Well, and and like that's something to kind of keep in mind is that save points where you actually go and save have largely fallen out of favor in most modern games. Because of that reason, people forget to save. You know, yeah, like everybody it's, relies it's something on manual that you have to go out of your way to do. And if you forget, you've suddenly lost four hours of gameplay because you died and it's been that long since you've saved. And so nowadays it's mostly auto saves that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are times now where the your auto save is tied to like a specific thing. But in most cases you like you auto save every time you like fast travel or go into a new area or hit an invisible point somewhere in the level. It'll auto save for you. You know, like it auto saves mm-hmm. all the freaking time. I remember playing, oh god, it was one of the last times I think that <laughs> I was a slave to the save point that like was absolutely necessary in a modern-ish at the time game, and that was uh, Infinite Undiscovery, <laughs> and I was, oh my god, I was playing it on the, I was playing it on the Xbox, I got really, well, I didn't, I didn't get like amazingly far, but there was a dungeon that had a save point at the very beginning and then right before a boss fight, like two hours into the dungeon. And I, you have to like solve a bunch of puzzles and a bunch of riddles and whatever. And then you have to like lead these particular animals over to a certain door. And on the other side of this door is the save point. And I was like, yes, I'm almost there. I've spent two hours in this dungeon. The save point is right there. But you get into a battle right before you go through that door. And it's a really powerful battle, kicked my ass, and I lost that like two hours of progress. And I was so mad that I never looked at the game again. <laughs> so pissed. And see, that's why games do autosaves now. Yeah. Save early, save often. I do still manual save. Like Resident Evil 4 has the autosave, and I still am like, did I save? I better save. Wait, did I save? I better save again just to make sure. <laughs> I am that person that has anxiety yeah, over <laughs> not saving enough. It's nice that you can do that now, but in Resident Evil specifically, it was not always yeah. the case. Those typewriters. You better find them ribbons. Oh, you have enough? No. Good luck. <laughs> you gotta leave your PS1 on and hope that no one turns it off while you're... <laughs> oh, God. Or power outage. Oh, my God. Running home from school. So here's the neat thing about it, right? Resident Evil has the ribbons that you use to save your game. As far as I know, they are legitimately typing up reports using an old typewriter. I mean, that shows that they're they're typing on it, but I don't think that there's actually, like, a message left behind. They like the noise it makes. <laughs> they just start hitting keys. Blah, blah, tap, blah. Tap, Beep, tap, 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 tap. <laughs> Dear MySpace. <laughs> Every time Leo hears me typing really fast, he'll walk by and go, Dear MySpace. <laughs> I got a live journal this. <laughs> no, but speaking of, uh, actually, in Silent Hill 1 and 3, what's really neat is in Silent Hill 1, Harry uses um, a notepad to write down, like that's his save point, um, is a notepad where he writes down his progress. And in Silent Hill 3, Heather actually uses a symbol in the mirror, but you can find the notepads that Harry wrote in and read his notes that he had left behind. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I just love that note because in Silent Hill, you travel to this edge. There's a giant crevice. There's this chasm that's there. Goes back to notepad. Note chasm don't forget to avoid that thing back on that resident evil ribbons thing that was actually one of the things i really really disliked about the game because 
those typewriter, you need a typewriter ribbon in order to save. And there is a finite number of those. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Which means that like saving is part of your strategy when and where to save because you don't have unlimited ones. Which I kind of understand, like the thought behind that. That here's this, there's here's this thing. We want you to be strategic. We don't want you to just like do safe scumming. But at the same time, this is a video game, and I have real life that I sometimes need to go and attend to, <laughs> and Listen, I want to be able to save my game and stop playing right meow, and, and I can't. I'm sorry, but I leave the item routing to the speedrunners. They know what's up. I don't need to, I shouldn't have to have memorized where all the items are just to progress or just to be able to save my game. Yeah. I leave that to the speedrunners. Yeah, I agree. I do have one other example. I, I, the Silent Hill one just came to me, but I'm coming in with one example <laughs> outside of Silent Hill, which I actually think is a pretty clever one. I mean, it's cute. I think that because Heather, um, well, I mean, it's like a spoiler for a 20-year-old game, but I won't say it anyway. But Which 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 game? Yeah, Silent Hill on. 3. <laughs> whoa, whoa. I know. <laughs> whoa. Um, but yeah, like she finds the notes that her dad left behind when he was going through Silent Hill. And I just think that that's cute. And I think that that's like, it it's nice. Um, but my other option, my other one that I have uh is bioshock the vita chambers in bioshock Mm -hmm. are Mm -hmm. actually um in the story can only be used by i think it was andrew ryan and so the fact that you can use them is also a hint as to the the ending spoiler alert (laughs) dang it liz i was just playing through that Uh, (laughs) oh my god it's so good yeah i I honestly i really love that like anytime you can integrate your save point into you know, the story is awesome, but like that, that was more than just like a story excuse. That was foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's another thing is the bathysphere you find out. Like that's a, that's another foreshadowing one is like, you find out partway through that only Andrew Ryan should have been able to use that, but you can use that, but you're like, Oh, it helps me get around rapture. This is cool. And you're, you just don't think about it. And then Mm -hmm. at the end, you're like, Oh my God, so many things. And then Bioshock infinite also ties into that, but. So you also move to an interesting one from that its predecessor, its original original um, System, System Shock. Shock. I want to play the remake, <laughs> and this the is, demo is out. I'm aware that this is a spoiler, but but you know if if Liz can spoil a 20 year old game, I can go 30. I can go. I did not back. spoil the 20 year old game. I specifically <laughs> avoided the spoiler. <laughs> I mean. Also, this is the main reason why this is a spoiler-heavy podcast, so we don't have to worry about warning it. It's okay, Liz. You can in, you can talk about the spoilers. In in, in one Listeners game, listeners know it coming in that they're that they're going to get things spoiled. Yeah, hopefully. Mm-hmm. I still won't say it. So, in System Shock, uh, they have a thing similar to the Vita Chambers, which is a uh, bio scanner that you can attack that you touch, and it acts as a respawn point where if you die. They'll just reclone you another body real quick and put that in there. Dude, that sounds so like uh, after. Sorry, just quick interjection. But after learning that the people in Star Trek are probably not actually the 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 version of themselves that went through, like it's actually just another version of themselves with all their same memories. Like that's just like dying repeatedly. That's oh, it's yeah. so weird, weird and about that if you think like about it. I I would go through that and die and then there would be another version of me that comes out that is me but not me and I don't like it <laughs> I just don't so, like it a really good segue for what I wanted to talk to about actually mm-hmm. uh, 
I always find it interesting, speaking of save points that are utilized in games, but are not as similar as the Vita chamber Chambers as a traditional save point would be, is the concept of roguelikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of roguelikes out there, prime among them Hades, in my mind, where dying is accepted, is expected, and it is sort of like a save point in a degree, right? Because right. your run ends and you're back in hell, ready to go again. Yeah, especially yeah. in Hades, because you mm-hmm. end up in the uh, you end up in the river sticks just like everyone else. Yep. Yeah. Um, sorry. Even, I mean, characters even remark on it, like, mm-hmm. "Hey, man, you're back." Oh yeah, what's his bucket? Will be like, "Hey, you died to this. Have you considered Hypnos. not doing that?" <laughs> like, oh, thanks. Dick. <laughs> God, has why didn't advice. I think of that, Hypnos? Thanks, bro. Um, but Leo, sorry, we cut you off about oh, System yeah, Shock. Um, so in System Shock, I cut them off. I'm sorry. <laughs> specifically, uh, anyway, in System Shock, um, you use those chambers to res- to bring yourself back. The boss of Shop, the big antagonist, is a is an AI called Shodan. Shodan has been manipulating that genetic chamber to create monsters for you to fight. So every monster, that you, most of the monsters that you're fighting, is technically you. They've just been, you know, genetically mi- manipulated. No one likes that. <laughs> I add a couple extra ones and zeros in the bit coding. That should fix this problem. Then he'll never know. Then the hacker will never notice. Kind of on the clone but not really aspect uh, was Borderlands had their uh, I forget what, what the, I forget what they were called, the, but there was a term for them. The um, I know what you're talking about. It's the oh, it's like the live the <laughs> the live again. It was, or some, the, it was something kind of dumb like life the or magic you, or whatever. The, the you crap. dead chamber. No, well, new, so it was it was basically an antenna. Oh, the new you station. That's, that's right. what it was. So like it, and it was essentially this little antenna, and as soon as you got near it, um, they acted as as both fa- both fast travel points and save points. So you would walk near one; it would auto save your game, and if you died, you would go there, and it would say something when you resurrected that implied that you were a cl- like one of the things that actually said is. Welcome back, clone of the recently deceased, or something like that. Oh, so, like, yeah. <laughs> but the, and you know they had a lot of like jokes, you know, where they they talked about I think rise forth from your grave or something, which mm-hmm. was you know from from a altered uh, beast, was, altered beast, you know, and they, and so they'd make jokes about it. And but here's the thing: in game, the new you station is not Canaan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, you know, it's when you're, when you're resurrecting and they, they mention it, I think they might mention it once or twice in the game itself. But the idea that you can respawn is actually not true in the game's story. And, again, spoiler, it's, you know this because Roland dies and does not respawn. Oh, that's right. And Brick! Oh, no, not Brick. Sorry. You're right. Um, And there's, I believe, I think there was a Twitter from Mr. Torg where... He talked about exploding a planet and everyone died. And then at the end of the tweet, he was just like, "New you stations aren't canon." <laughs> <laughs> it's it's 
you know, basically stating, yes, this is a game mechanic. We have an in-story reason for it, but it's not actually happening in-story. So there's there's some confusion about how in-game this is. Also, also you're, Bloodwing. Is it? you're getting it from another character? Yeah, Bloodwing. Bloodwing can come back. Mm-hmm. But not also, okay. you're getting this secondhand from a Twitter feed from another character. <laughs> yeah. It's... Bloodwing's not a, not a person, Liz. Canonity of that tweet is also dubious and mr torque is crazy so you can't trust anything he says anyway oh my God. Mm-hmm. there's nothing more badass than respecting women one of my favorite <laughs> quotes that he says awesome. <laughs> i got one word and one word only for you explosion <laughs> i i one of the years that chris rager was here i actually got him to sign my borderlands too nice he's, he's, he's a red dude yeah he's a red dude he wishes me a happy birthday every so often Oh, but yeah, if you keep coming back and it's part that's weird that it's not part of the storyline because you go through it, people talk about the Vita Chamber, those not Vita Chamber, the new used stations as it's a thing. Yeah, because you can get your car from there. Then all the cars well, no, that's mechanics. that's different. I mean, it it uses the same technology in game. I think they don't really go into detail about that technology of like creating real solid things out of holograms. Um, but my understanding is that's what the new U station does. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, and this is interesting to me philosophically because it is basically brick for brick the teletransportation paradox. Yep. Yeah. Where, you know, for those of you who may not be familiar, uh, there's an old sci-fi story uh, where we've heard about this probably most famously. Uh, and a character dies to like i think it's a meteor shower or something our hero is murdered on a planet uh, in the far out reaches of space mm-hmm. and on this planet it's very commonplace for them to like just rebuild people from backup records mm-hmm. um and it does kind of go into that idea of like okay so you have all of your memories you have all of your you know thoughts feelings etc from when this backup was created but are you the same person if the stuff that makes you is technically different? See, mm. Yeah, that's the philosophy. Well, and then character. you start getting into, like, what makes a person a person. Like, how, mm-hmm. how do, and that's the thing that, like, <laughs> the whole thing that freaks me out about, like, the, the, the teleporters <laughs> um, on Star Trek. Because, like, yep. yeah, who's to say that when I get put back together, I am the same person? Like, physically, I am, and I have all the same memories. But is this the same, like me because yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna admit it right now i don't want to die i want to die on my terms <laughs> but yeah. i want it to be in like a thousand years i want to be like half cyborg and just one day be like you know what i'm done i'm not recharging my batteries peace out dudes but liz that's how you get cyber psychosis don't do that <laughs> i mean it could you could it's... be cool with it like robocop there, there's like a Smasher. thousand different movies <laughs> telling you all the bad things about becoming a cyborg, but that's a different episode. I just, but I want whatever it is that makes me who I am. Like, is that my brain? Then keep my whole head intact, or at least, you know, keep, is it the gray matter in your brain? Because some people think that's part of it. Some people think it has to do with, you know, like something spiritual. Okay, well, let me find religion or something really quick. I don't know. <laughs> you know who doesn't have to solve this problem? Zagreus, because when he dies, they take his entire body, throw it into the river, call it a day. Yeah, he is himself every single time. Every single I time. Mean, are we sure? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I 
I think that claim is dubious. <laughs> See, my, my I think only... I think you want to be sure, but I don't think either of you are sure. I'm not a hundred percent. Not not putting all. all I guess my, that that's that is something that's never like one hundred percent confirmed. But I'm gonna say, yeah. if I ever make a video game, I will declare canonically one way or the other if you really are just a clone of yourself uh if you respawn or if you are your actual self have you all played dead cells yes no. i played dead cells no so there are a number of places typically the safe rooms uh, as you're going through your run uh where you find a pile of bodies and your character remarks huh these look just like me <laughs> So there's sort of this this oh. weird idea that like you've been reconstructed over and over and over again and somebody is just like shipping your dead bodies out into the world just stacking them up somewhere. Slightly related, uh I noticed early on while playing Minecraft that the zombies basically look like Steve, except zombie form. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and with the number of times that I died in that game, I, I kind of wondered if that was intentional or not. Like, yeah. am I just fighting all the previous iterations of me that didn't make it in this Minecraft world? Oh my That's god. Funny. That's a lot. <laughs> we get an existential on this, this one, y'all. That's a lot of philosophy to come out of Minecraft, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I buy it. it. It's a thing. This is the uh, the ship of Theseus, but for humans. Mm -hmm. If you reconstruct <laughs> something piece by piece, is it the same thing? Is it the same thing? I guess it depends on who's to, on what story you're going with. Well, and, you know whether or not you mm. think that the the brain or the soul or the you know mind mm. has something to do with it. There's there's a lot of a lot of back and forth on this and lord knows star trek does enough transporter accident episodes yeah i, I was gonna say like with the ship of theseus i think there, there is a clearer case where you can make a distinction yes or no if you want to mm -hmm. but with humans we're a little bit weirder than ships yeah <laughs> a little yeah, bit like more that's... unless ships think and, and feel and stuff and i just don't know that that might be insensitive <laughs> uh me. you should read the book evolution's darling by scott westerfield mm -hmm. or westerfeld okay. uh he it's his one adult novel um there is there's, <laughs> there's a lot of sex in it but all of it is human and ai and it's oh. like sometimes it's just very clinical it just like you'll be reading it and like is this supposed to be like erotic because it's like <laughs> sometimes it's it's just very like clinical but there is a whole section in there about um the ai on board of two ships one of them is like a a warship and one of them is a cruise ship and they pass each other in space and they do a uh they have a whole argument with each other on who's doing their job more efficiently <laughs> i love that it's it's really good it's kind of hard to find so if you want to borrow it i'll uh swing it by sometime but it's a really good book it just all scott westerfeld does not shy away from some very uh crude terminology <laughs> too so mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway i think i think we should go back to talking about <laughs> save points we rather should. than ai I... and uh, clothes you know what actually tripped me up with save points mm. it was fallout 4 uh so if you play fallout 4 normally then autosave is enabled. Anytime you fast travel, anytime you enter a new room, it autosaves. I think there's autosaves in between those points. I don't really remember what they are. But, you know, I mean, there's a lot of autosaves happening. Right. Unless you go into survival mode. 
um, survival mode is like the highest difficulty and there's a bunch of stuff that it does, but one of the things that it does is it disables all autosaves. The only autosave that you get is when you exit the game. And then when you re- when you load that save from exiting the game, it deletes that save. Like a quick save. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, because it, it had quick saves, which you could reload as many times as you want. So this is slightly different than that. It's very specifically a one-time use save that gets deleted once it's loaded. Yeah, Persona 3 has a quick save where you can just like go into the menu, say quick save, and it kicks you out of the game. And then when you come back, you continue it and it loads that quick save, but then deletes it. Like it's not actually put in your record as a save. Yeah. Fire Emblem does it too. And so then in game, if you wanted to save, you had to sleep. You had to use a bed for at least an hour and then it would save your game. And oh, there was, man. you know, and that sort of replaced the autosave. That's your autosave now. You sleep in a bed, it overwrites whatever your previous autosave was and creates a new one. So it's, it, there were a number of problems with it, primarily because the game had basically already trained me to treat it as though I could just quick save whenever I wanted or it autosaved at any door. <laughs> so I wouldn't. Like, going to a bed and saving wasn't generally on my mind. Plus, beds aren't everywhere. The You know, some dungeons will have beds because they're, like, places for the raiders to sleep. But some won't. Uh, there's no place to save mid-dungeon. I'm so tired, man. So I would often forget and die and then realize I was reloading not even at the beginning of this dungeon. I was reloading two hours before I got to the oh, dungeon. God. Because that's when my last save was. And like <laughs> at those at those points I was like berating myself because you know what? I'm an old school gamer where autosaves weren't always a thing. And if I forgot to save, it's because I've gotten complacent. That's on me. <laughs> yeah. However, <laughs> Fallout 4 is also a Bethesda game. <laughs> As you might be aware, Bethesda games are a little buggy. (laughs) What? (laughs) It's a feature. Which means that sometimes, for no reason, your game will crash. It doesn't make an autosave when it crashes. Oh no! (gasps) So there are times when I'd be like, towards the end of a dungeon or something, and I'm like, okay, I'm about to fight the boss... I'm doing really good. I got all this gear. I'm totally ready for this. And then I walk into the room and my game dies. (laughs) If I have to go back to an old save because I died to the boss and I forgot to save, that's on me. If I have to go back to an old save because the game went oopsie daisy, (laughs) now we have a problem. Um... Not quite in that vein, but in the vein of uh, not autosaves. In the Resident Evil 2 remake, actually on the hardest difficulty, I'm not sure about three or four remakes, but on the definitely in the Resident Evil 2 remake on the hardest difficulty, um, it reinstates the ink ribbons um, and takes out all autosaves. So you have to find the ink ribbons and you have to save manually at a typewriter that i'm okay which is wild. i save at typewriters anyway like even if the game auto saves i don't trust it i'm like where's the nearest typewriter i'm gonna go find it and i go never trust your auto save i don't i just don't like maybe it's because i also started gaming in the late 80s early 90s like i was a teeny tiny thing but like it's ingrained in me i'm scared that my auto save is gonna mess up and especially because when you're at a young age, you only have to screw up your save once to never do it <laughs> you again. You learn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And like in Resident Evil 4, they kind of like it's a little bit different because like the autosave will still not like it's not as frequent as other games are. And so there were times when I would do something and Ashley would get carried away and I'd have to repeat a whole section. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do this again. My my favorite part about that is Resident Evil 4, I think canonically is what? 2005? Five. Four. Yes. 2004. 2004. So it's 2004, and someone's still typing out reports on a typewriter. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also really funny, because in Resident Evil 6, which takes place in 2012, there's, like, this, like, glowy cube thing that, like, Ada and people use to save their game. But then in Resident Evil 7, which takes place in 2017, they have VHSs. <laughs> And I mean, maybe it's just a different era and maybe just, I don't know, like the, the backwaters of, of Louisiana, but like, there's still, where's, where's that fancy tech? Oh, probably with like Ada. (laughs) Keep in mind, right? Like it does take place in 2017, but Ethan is finding these things. He's, he's not bringing them with him. No, but, oh, that's true. The bakers probably have it there because like Mia records a videotape and yes, it's a, the bakers do not seem to be the most, shall we say on the cutting edge of technology. (laughs) They honestly feel, seem like the family that would have a VHS cam recorder and an eight track player. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) They got vinyl. Are you kidding me? But not like the cool hipster vinyl. Like, the vinyl that was originally released. <laughs> All right, I think that we're supposed to be talking about save points that are part of story. <laughs> sure. But Sorry. that is actually right. So, like, it makes sense in there because the baker's house still has old VHS tapes because that's those what they are, do. That's not your save point, though. Oh, my God. How do mm. you save in seven? Uh, tape recorder, I think. Oh, I that's think right. It's like voice. it's like an old school cassette tape recorder. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, relevant. Um, actually, speaking of which, that does remind me of something. Have you guys heard of an old Xbox game called Steel Battalion? I've heard of yes. it. Okay. Sounds Steel, familiar. So, Steel Battalion became famous for Xbox because you got a custom, uh, basically an entire custom controller to make the game work in the first place. It's got something like eight or ten knobs and switches and another series of switches on top of that. And my favorite, and like two controllers, because you, you're piloting a mech on this. My favorite part of that control that contraption on it is there's a button underneath a plastic shell that says abort. Now, mm. the reason why you do this is because after each mission, it'll save your game. If your mech is about to crash, you have to remember to open up that abort button, hit the abort button to eject yourself, and it re- and that'll allow you to reload your last save because they can just rebuild your mech. If you do not do that, your character has considered to be dead, and they wipe your data. Oh, that's the mm-mm. opposite of a story. It is a storyline save point, but that's if you forget to hit that abort button, it's gone, baby. <laughs> I kind of hate that. I, it, I I love the ideas of knobs and switches because, you know. Yes. Also, it was really weird playing that because uh, the first time I, uh, I got to play it at a convention once, and um, it was really weird because I couldn't get my mech started. It turns out I flooded the engine. <laughs> I had to hit the gas a couple times just just to keep come on come on ammo come on baby you're flooding it. <laughs> this might be a an edge case for canonical in story save points, mm-hmm. but the two games that I think about 
uh, from the RPG sphere the most in terms of save points of the Final Fantasy franchise. And they're not ever explicitly mentioned, mm-hmm. but the characters do have some interactions with them. There's a scene in 7 where somebody drops a save point and it bounces around the room that you're in. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it's very, like, whimsical and odd. And I don't think the characters ever, like, they might make a passing, like, oh, that was weird. But they don't ever, like, mention <laughs> save points being a thing. Yeah, usually it's so like a, a tutorial thing where a box will pop up and be like, this is a save point. Be sure to use it. Yeah, but right. That does. I remember that one, like, bouncing around. <laughs> but I also remember Chrono Trigger and the fake save points. <gasps> oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or, the how, gen- like, or the sparkles that Dane thought were save points. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I thought that they were. I think I thought they were items. Yeah. You. Uh, so, for those who haven't watched it yet, there's a YouTube video of us going through uh, making a parody of the Chrono Trigger series. However, I also keep outtakes that I that aren't part of the parody stuff. It's just stuff that we were talking about while in the middle of the show, uh, doing the recording. And there's a point where Dane just would not stop bugging me to pick up this 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 item of sparkles. I go, and. But we were in the middle of playing it, and it's something like, I think it was like a minute or two before I eventually had to stop and go, Dane, that's a save point, not an item. You well, can't pick this up. And we were all like, what is he talking about? <laughs> I was tired. And I mean, because in fairness, so sparkles, there, there's an item sparkle, and there's a save point sparkle. And they're two different sparkles, but they are both sparkles. And they're so. both the same color sparkle. It's just that mm-hmm. items are a single sparkle, and save points are like... 10 sparkles mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and even yeah. worse in certain parts of the of the game of chrono trigger there's parts of it that are giving you a fake save point of sparkles and nope, turns out it's an enemy it's an enemy monsters <laughs> look i was so tired okay i've played chrono trigger which is really <laughs> embarrassing <laughs> I was really tired that day, so... and i was just like leo's ignoring it he's gotta get the items <laughs> You know, I'm not a smart man all the time. You know what? We love you, though. That's okay. It, 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 things like that happens. I remember bugging Steve uh, Steve Nibblesnarf once on, when he was playing a Star Trek simulator. I go, um, hey, hey, Steve? Not now, Leo. Hey, Steve? Not now, Leo. Hey, Steve? Not now, Leo. And he turns to me, and he goes, what? What, Leo? What is so effing important that you have to bother me? Next thing he hears is this giant screeching sound as he misses the sight of an asteroid and accidentally grinds this entire ship across <laughs> the thing. I'm like, you're, like, you're, you're too close to that. You're, you're going to hit. <laughs> yeah, now what, yeah. nibble snarf? <laughs> Look, I was just looking out, okay? I didn't want you to miss that super cool uh, rare item <laughs> on the ground over there. Uh. Yeah, I, the, the, the fake save points have always felt like an absolute betrayal to me, mm-hmm. even to this day. <laughs> well, and also fake fake treasure chests. That, that... Uh, <sighs> it's so mean. <laughs> I've been down here for a while. Why can't you just let me have this? <laughs> I, did oh, have man. A, I did have a thought about a different game, and now I don't... I don't remember. Oh, it was... That'd be weird to have a mimic that's actually a save point. <laughs> Mass Effect. Because you can mm. save it terminals and stuff. Yeah. And it seems like typing it out. Do you think Inns from like the Mana series is kind of similar too? I guess yeah. at that point you'd also figure some Inns from like early Final Fantasies that also gave you the option to save. I yeah. feel like a lot of the old school JRPGs did that. Where like mm-hmm. that was your save point was the Inn. 
And I just you know, assumed that you were just really like filling nice. out the paperwork, you know? But <laughs> I was here. It, it's, you're, you're signing into the guest book. It, it, that's really that's nice, though, because it's like, I'm, I am going to sleep to heal my HP and my MP. And yes, I would like to save my game. I like that this is a package deal, all in one. Yeah. <laughs> Low, low price of 20 gil. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Unless you're in that southern GRPGs, town and it's points. 80 gil. <laughs> oh, God, I hate that southern town. I don't know. Did y'all play Xenogears? Yes. yes. So, JRPG, uh, back in the day, PS1, I think it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, their save points were called memory cubes. And I had to look this up because it's been so long since I played it. But what was interesting, the, so in-game characters would remark on it. NPCs would tell you, oh, be sure to stop by the memory cube before you go. And it, you know, it was like they were a thing in world that people would comment on about halfway through the game. You find out that, uh, I think it's, there's like this big empire floating around in the sky. It turns out they're the ones that put the memory cubes throughout the world. The memory cubes gather data when you use them, and the Empire is then using that data to keep track of you. <laughs> oh! Um, Neurotomata, the, the black boxes of the characters um, actually oh, yeah. act as they're, you're uploading, like, because they're all androids, and so you're taking their, like, memory and everything that they've done up to that point and recording it as a save point, but it sends it up to the lunar bunker, and then when you're reloading, they're or when you die, they're like taking what memory you last uploaded to them and putting it back or like loading it back into that, um, like the latest save point or whatever, which I think they're not vending machines. <laughs> I think they look like them. <laughs> it's such a good game. You guys, if you haven't played near automata, go get your existential crisis on in that game. It's on my list for sure. Dude, bump that to the top of the list. It's so... It, you will be moved. The soundtrack is incredible. The characters are incredible. The world is so good. And like, oh my god. So you have to play through it three times. And the first one is like 2B. And then you play through as 9S. And then and you're doing the same thing in those two, but with different characters. But then you play as A2 in the third part. And hers takes place after what happens with 9s and 2b and oh my god when you start like realizing everything and it all comes out and then there's an audio drama that oh god it's so good there's an audio drama that takes place like a couple thousand years before the game and it just puts context into some things that happen there and it's so if you ever just want to feel existential and like feel your heart just get crushed in your body like that's such a good game to play it's so (laughs) worth it (laughs) Who doesn't love having their heart crushed? I do. I love it. Um, at least by fictional things. <laughs> but anyway, the save points... It's a lot more fun when it's happening to a not real person. Yes. But um, yeah, the save points are the black boxes that they are uploading the data to the bunker. And yeah, if you die, you they're just like, whoop, all right, send the last uploaded data down. And inter- yeah. Speaking of what are my points that are story-based... Um, there's a it's an old interplay game um called uh oh the forsaken i think is what it's called and you you play as a guy who um you find out he uh he's kind of lost his memory because one of his weird abilities is that when he dies he comes back but he loses a little bit of his memory when he dies each time he goes into a weird depression and so 
in case this happens, he writes big notes on his, uh, on his back and such as a, as a, uh, uh, kind of like memento style. Leaves notes to himself on tattoos to remind himself of important things that he has to remember to do. Um, there's a puzzle in it where you're in this temple, but this is the this is the temple of your original gravesite. And so you needed to figure out a way to get in. And what you do is you unalive yourself. And so they take your corpse in and bury it because they assume that you just got up and need to get put back again. Also love that one of your friendly characters with you is a guy named is a floating head named Mort. And um, Mort reads the tattoo to, uh, back to you in order to t to give you this information of, hey, you left this giant thing of notes on yourself to in case you need these notes. Later, you find out um, Mort excluded the parts where he left notes himself don't trust Mort. he's a, he sucks <laughs> <laughs> yeah he just he just figured that wasn't important information but like him dying coming back that's a thing he just does you just put him back in that in that spot another one that i found uh say point interesting one is uh parasite eve in order to save your game, you have to find a, a, a phone and call back to the state. Oh, the yeah. Station. You have to, like, check in your progress at the police station. Mm -hmm. And so they're just keeping an updated report on you, since you're the only one that's allowed to run around town right now. <laughs> yeah, just checking in. Imagine having to, uh, if you're a person like like Liz earlier, who, who saves your game, like, six times. <laughs> yeah, I'm just calling to let you guys know I'm okay. Wait. Did I... All the stations. Did I just call you guys? Well, I'm doing good. Wait a second. That that happens in uh, the first Earthbound <laughs> is that oh, you yeah. save by calling your dad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just like having a chat with him, which is interesting because Ness can die. Oh, yeah. Like, and, and which means other people are calling Ness's dad <laughs> to save the game. <laughs> Yeah, this thing happened. Um, figured you she would be the first. No, 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 no. I'll take care of it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm pretty sure you can respawn because death is not permanent in in Earthbound. Mm -hmm. I don't really remember the, the but it, it just always struck me as kind of funny. Because mm -hmm. um, your dad is not present in the game, at least as far as I know. I never beat. He's out on business Earthbound. trips or whatever. Yeah, he's just like he's he's out doing whatever he does, but apparently he's still super involved in his kid's life. And you just, you call him up, he'll save your game, and then he'll give you money based on how many bad guys you beat up. <laughs> so he keeps track of how many guys that you've beaten up. Meanwhile, though, he's like, oh, boy. Like, oh, what's that? You you took down six wild dogs? Good job. Here's $12. <laughs> Way to go, sport. The One of the funnier things about that is if you don't save for a while. If you don't save for a while. Oh, yeah, he'll, while, com he'll complain about you not having called in a while. <laughs> But actually, the trippiest thing that ever happened to me when I played that, if you don't, if you keep playing for a really long time, the game will take note of it. Your dad will contact you psychically. <laughs> hey, Dad, what's and your I job? <laughs> well, like like psychic powers run in the family, apparently. Yeah. Oh. But um, and then he will address not his son Ness, but you, the player. <laughs> And he'll be like, hey, 
So my son really needs his rest, and I can't help but notice that you've been going for a while. Could you maybe give my son a chance to rest and save the game now and turn it off for a little bit? And that's when I looked at the clock and realized I'd been playing for eight hours. (laughs) And actually, maybe, yeah, maybe I could use a rest. Maybe that's a good idea. Big ups, Nessus Dad. (laughs) Definitely always felt to me like one of those, uh, the first version of, of that system, because I know a lot of Nintendo games uh, these days will do that, where it's like, hey, man, you, you've been going for a while, like, maybe take a break, you know, moderation's important. Mm-hmm. But that, that's the first one that I can think of, too, where they were like, look, you've been playing for 16 hours. You need to go outside. <laughs> you need to go touch some grass. You need to go get some sleep. Just Please leave. <laughs> My boy needs a break. <laughs> He's trying his best. Yeah, that was the part I really loved about it, because he didn't frame it as you, the player, need a break. Stop playing so many video games. He used, like, your... This is Ness, the character that I've become attached to because he's my little avatar. He used that against you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know if you need sleep. You can you can stay up, whatevs, I don't care. My son needs to sleep, though. <laughs> He's, like, guilt-tripping you with this. Oh, man. So it's kind of interesting because we've gotten examples from the video game world, obviously, for this. But also it leaks into different um, non-video game examples for that, um, like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow, um, The Venture Brothers, which I find is a hilarious thing entirely because mm-hmm. The Venture Brothers are clones up until, I think, season six. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, season five or six. And he just remarks... Uh, his uh, Rusty Venture just sort of remarks, he goes, alright, you guys need to be careful, you don't have a, a safety net anymore. A what? A safety net anymore. <laughs> you know, be careful. This is one's going to be more permanent than you're, old, than you're used to. <laughs> Which also, I think, is hilarious, because Rusty Venture, I think canonically, isn't a very good inventor in comparison He's to, not. like, no. is it? But he does build one thing a cloning machine that can copy his, uh, his son's, son's memories uh, completely. It's just super illegal. <laughs> but, and I love, too, the justification, because, like, Hank and Dean die a lot. Yeah. <laughs> to some, like, you know, the the Venture family is an, ad, is an adventurous family. They get into a lot of shenanigans. There's a lot of really dangerous situations. That, so it makes sense that these two children might not be so great at surviving the incredibly <laughs> dangerous situations that they constantly find themselves in. And so he's just like, you know, when you... I'm trying, I can't remember the exact wording. Oh, but I remember. Just... It's when you have a, a child that's clumsy, you put a helmet on them. If you have a children that won't stop unaliving them... You build a cloning machine. <laughs> That's his I mean, logic. About to that. be honest, kind of fair. <laughs> yeah, I know he's right. These guys won't stop doing this. And I, I love it too because it sort of cheapens their deaths in universe. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, you no know, when, when I think it was the end of season one where mm-hmm. we saw them die. Like, they got into a car wreck and they were just like burned up, totally dead. And then the next, like, start of season two, they're just back <laughs> with, like, no explanation. And it's, like, it takes the whole of the episode before you finally get the whole story that they're actually clones. But, like, yeah, th- when that season one ending happened and they died, that was a huge impact. Like, what do you mean the the main characters died? Holy crap. 
Um, and then season two, you're just like, nah, psych. Well, it was such a throwaway bit too, right? Because right. it's the very end of the episode. There's like, I mean, two minutes runtime left. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, cool. They've like solved the day. Like, go team venture. Let's go. And then the car explodes. You're like, wait, hold, hold on. What? And then the credits roll. And you're like, wait, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> what just happened here? I, I like it later because it turns out he doesn't just make one cloning machine. He has like a whole wing department because this happened because it happens so often. There's like 30 or 40 clones just in the basement. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is the same guy who built a machine that had the soul of an orphan in it. Like <laughs> ethical science is very obviously not like paramount here. That's one of his things. Like even comparison to the bad guys, Rusty might not be the best person to run the super science programs. He he brings in a freaking necromancer who deals with the occult, and the guy was like, I'm sorry, did you say the soul of an orphan? And he's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, what's the big deal here? Just a little, little soul of an orphan, you know. And he just has it on standby, and he integrates it to the machine. <laughs> no idea where he got it from. We don't ask that question. Mm-hmm. Rick and Morty. <laughs> Uh, he, he can be a contender for Rick, all things considered. Mm-hmm. And Rick has done that. There's an episode dedicated to him making, um, it's the Vat of Acid episode. Mm, yeah. And he makes, uh, for Morty, a device that lets him um, basically create a, a save state. And if something bad happens, he goes back to that save state. However, in order to make the, the thing work, whoever was in that first save state has to be removed from the timeline entirely. <laughs> Because Morty gets guilt from all the deaths that he's basically caused on himself, each and every one of them, to do this. And because Rick is so petty, all this is because he questioned his vat of acid. So it's very interesting when they just integrate him into... And it's, I think, personally, kind of a fun concept to just integrate a save point in part of your story. This is just a thing. Everyone knows it's a thing. Yeah, I mean, like, it, because we all, as players, we understand that this is really just a game mechanic because this is a game and we don't, you know, it sucks if you if you were to lose the game and then just that's it. You have to start all over from the very mm-hmm. beginning. That's not any fun. Yeah, and some game designers will do stuff like System Shock, where it's used again, technically against you for it. Or, or the Bioshock system, where it's a little hint to what's going on, what what's really going on with the mystery of this game. Or, you know, you could be Zagreus, and it's just, just, respawning is just a thing you do. It's it, You're the god of respawn. It's a Tuesday. <laughs> it's a Tuesday. This is what I do. Yeah, this is uh, this might be one of our quicker episodes, but that is the episode for this about storyline save points. If you have an idea of a game or some story that also has a save point system, built into the story um you know drop us a line send us a message over at um or send me a tweet over at uh yeah gaming th- uh, gaming theater um that being said our we're going to be on hiatus for the uh so there'll be no new podcasts for the month of july for at least the regular um uh, gaming theater process and we'll be back again in august on the first friday of august that being said this is gaming theater uh, logging out Bye, everybody. Bye. Speak for everybody when I say save often. Save always. Save often and always. Save often. I think that's the mantra that's in, they wrote, it's in the Fallout 2 manual. Is it really? Yeah, there's a spot in the manual that just says save. Don't forget to save. Save often and all the time. (laughs) It's good advice. It's, It's solid advice. All right. Bye, everybody. Later.
Gaming Theater Podcast is hosted, created, produced, and edited by Leo Garcia, the Geek Scorpio. Our music is A Drinking Game. Stock media provided by Stormwave Audio slash Pond5. Our cover art is by Adam Parker. You can find him at ParkerGFX on Twitter. If you want to send us some money to help with these episodes, you can do so at patreon.com slash gamingtheaterpresents. Want to send support that doesn't hit your wallet? Please leave a review with wherever you hear your podcasts and share our podcast with your friends. It really helps out. Thank you for listening.